0: Cry Malt has been supplying the best ingredients to Australian and New Zealand brewers for 30 years. Their range of malt, hops and yeast is sure to take your beer to the next level. Proud sponsors of Brews News and Beer as a Conversation since the very beginning. Learn more about Cry Malt at www.crymalt.com.
1: part of the plan to put a brewery in but for many years it, it was just a plan it's
2: 100 percent acquisition of green bacon no we had a chat with everybody anyone would have seen this coming a mile away
1: you know the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing
0: oh yeah that's super simple and direct question it's always fun to get to speak about beer
1: and that's what we're here to do talk about beer Today I've got with me, by the way, me is uh, Claire Monette. You may have heard me uh, on the weekly podcast before and I've done tried my hand at a few beers of conversations as well. Um, and this week I'm really excited. I followed the sort of progress of Slow Lane Brewing, who some of you may have seen that they won uh, Champion Packaged Beer and Best New South Wales Beer at the 2021 uh, Sydney Royal Beer and Cider Show earlier this month. Uh, and I've got with me Alex and Yvonne Jarman, uh, founders of Slow Lane Brewing. Power couple, effectively. Um, so you won your uh, you won your awards for your uh, threefold Belgian triple uh, after entering it for the first time. Obviously, you only founded in January or opened in January. So huge achievement how How do you feel?
2: Pretty excited, you yeah. know. Great, great <laughs> yeah. to get the recognition for yeah. know, our beers, and especially as it was a um, like Belgian beer, which is something we specialize in, and I guess my personal favorite and what, definitely what I've brewed the most of so it's you know feel like extra great to get the recognition for that style that we want to be known for.
1: What made you want to enter the awards obviously you have, you're you in your first year of business effectively or open to the public business that's a huge undertaking to sort of go for these awards what why did you want to do that?
2: Like I always planned on entering our beers and awards i guess probably because i'm naturally competitive but also (laughs) we're not as a brewery and not you know we're not really about kind of like you know shouting from the rooftops and more like a quiet achiever and i guess one of the ways we wanted to sort of demonstrate that you know and establish our credibility was you know ideally through you know entering and sort of getting some um results from these type of beer awards so I think, like, you know, since we've started, like anything, you know, we've entered the Indies, the ARVAs, the Sydney Royal, um, so anything that's relevant, you know, we've mm-hmm. put a few beers in there um, to, you know, try and yep. get that recognition and...
1: It's also a nice way to get feedback.
2: Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, like a, like a benchmarking thing. That's why I've heard people like to get the feedback and stuff like that from the judges themselves and see how they can improve. Did that help you guys at all?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So definitely, that's the other purpose. Like, there's lots of very qualified people on the um the judging panels, so it's great to get their feedback and you know help improve our future batches
1: is that something i mean as as we've mentioned you're a relatively new brewery is beer quality like a an issue have you had have you struggled with it or has it been pretty easygoing
2: oh i wouldn't say it's easy you know it's definitely <laughs> you know it's one, one of the challenges like mm-hmm. um you know having a brewery whether it's big or small um so it's you know something we definitely want to focus on and i guess we every time we brew beer like even if you know the same beer that we've rebrewed a few times we try and tweak tweak it a bit to get it even better um but also like you know trying to get consistency in terms of that quality like we might tweak it slightly to try and improve it but we want it to still taste like the same beer
3: Oh, alex is definitely a bit of a perfectionist i think that (laughs) each time he brews um like he's, he's kind of quite obsessive with like tweaking and improving the process
1: yeah, love it. No, that's exactly what you need, I think. Um, but obviously, I mean, we'll, ju- we we'll, I'm jumping ahead now, but um, you've kind of not come from a brewing background; you come from a corporate background. So, is that perfectionism from that background? Do you think?
3: I think it's definitely an inbuilt personality. <laughs> oh, he's always naturally. I can definitely been say being married <laughs> to a perfectionist is sometimes <laughs> challenging. <laughs>
1: That was a very diplomatic way of saying I want to turn my <laughs> hair out sometimes. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um and do you think awards and things like that do customers care? Do they is it why people would buy a beer from from what you've seen?
2: I mean, I don't think it's certainly like, you know, when we have a beer that wins an award, it's not like it flies off the shelves immediately and is all sold out like it's, mm-hmm. you know, I think it it helps um but not not necessarily all customers would no care, but I find like where it helps the most is kind of getting recognition in the industry and sort of getting more like wholesale sales. Like we've definitely, um, you know, since we won the award um, the other week, we've definitely um, seen a bit of uptick into like bottle shops and Uh bars and restaurants buying our beers. Um, I guess it's some of these awards don't necessarily – get that published, you know, out to the general, like, beer audience, like, but definitely people in the industry know. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely, like, the latest one we did do, like, a 2GB radio thing and i oh, um, yeah. not surprised we had a few people come into the brewery and um, say they heard us on that. So that definitely, oh, cool. um, you know, reached an audience outside of our normal audience.
1: Mm-hmm. Excellent. And, I mean, that's what kind of why we do some of these things is is we want to reach people that might not necessarily have drunk the beers before but it's a really interesting style in itself to have as a winner you know usually I keep seeing loads of IPAs and stuff like that um winning awards or um at least sort of people's choice recognition but Belgian triple it's a Reasonably tricky style, quite higher ABV. Um, you did an initial open fermentation, I think. I, I was reading the other day. Um, so, how did you do it? Uh, number one, how how did you brew it, and um, what do you think appealed about that style?
2: We definitely tried to emulate like what like some of the, like the Belgian brewers do when they brew it, based on you know my you know lots of research and reading books, etc. Um, so, you know, definitely that's not, those the trappist um breweries that you know famous for you know these styles but like at least in, initially they used to use open fermentation um so we you know we do that for a lot of our beers which gives a different yeast character so it's some some of the um so the beer be like a belgian triple like you know a very large percentage of which the flavors you're getting are from the fermentation from like the yeast and how that you know the conditions the yeast experiences during that fermentation, so I think that helps. Open ah! fermentation helps get that characteristic Belgian flavour. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <There's> Sorry, <laughs> there's a, there's a small you. German in the in the
2: background. <laughs> I'm really excited when we're talking about Belgian triples.
1: Belgian and, triples. <laughs> <and yeast. laughs> Starting them out young, aren't they? Obviously, not trying any, just <laughs> learning about the beers. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Yeah, and, that, and that's really interesting itself itself about something that you've always sort of had that even when we spoke in January you were like that's what we do like that's how we want to do things is do these like old European styles and things like that um and it's amazing that you've held true to that has there been any occasion where you're like oh maybe I should do a 12% hazy IPA or something like that
2: I we we do do some We like one of our first beers is like a hazy pale ale and we do you know always try and have a hazy pale ale and we've done some um kind of like ipa beers but they're always a bit different like whether it's um you know a sour ipa or whether it's like a belgian themed like ipa like we don't want to just put out like more like generic kind of like hoppy beers um we always want to try and do something different if we're going to go down that track um but definitely most of the stuff we do is what we'd say is like old world old world european styles um like selling a lot of Belgian styles, but more recently we've done some more German styles and English styles as well.
1: And how have customers received them? Is it is it an education piece or is it a oh people know what we're talking about and that's why they come? Like or is it a little bit of a mixture of everything?
3: It's a mix of everything. There's certainly customers that seek out this type of beer and they love that they're seeing more of that in Australia or in the local market. Um, You know, normally they would have to um, look for imports. Um, But then there are also other customers, like, for example, like the local community where they're just happy to come into our tasting room and they find something that works for them. Sometimes they do just want the pale ale and other times they're happy to try something new.
1: Brilliant. And the thing is, I guess, brewing these kind of styles... I've heard they tend to take a little bit longer and, you know, a little bit more involved sometimes. Um, How have you found dealing with that and the demands of having a working customer facing brew pub as well? Like, is the bottom line working out well? Um, What about supply? Do you always have enough or have you... I mean, I'm getting the idea, Alex, that you're such a perfectionist. You've got everything scheduled um, up to like 2025 or something like that. Um, is that the oh, case? How have you found that? I'm doing a
2: perfectionist. That? I'm not necessarily <laughs> <highly> organised. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, yeah, slightly <laughs> yeah, it's still different. A la- still a last minute rush to try and get it done properly, but yeah, uh, you know, wouldn't release really something like unless I think it's you know perfect or you know close mm-hmm. to perfect. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: I feel like the biggest near term challenge you have. Um, because of what you've chosen is obviously the issue of space because so many things like for example botany wise takes you know five seven eight months and in the tank so that's just one tank like and one giant space (laughs) gone
2: (laughs) yeah and we would set things up because we knew our beers would take longer some of the beers definitely take longer we set things up to try and make best use of a small space so you have like tanks that like can stack like three high um but still yeah it was always running out of space so more (laughs) space would definitely be nice and yeah so it's it's very much like a a bar on the weekends and a brewery during the week um so it's you know it takes quite a few hours every friday to pack all the brewing stuff into the corner (laughs) and bring out the chairs and tables and make it into a bar for the weekend
3: and we had this one Weekend where the forklift broke and oh, uh, it's not good right
2: in the middle of the tasting room. So we oh my the, god, the what out. did you Everyone do? Was, I just left it there. Everyone sat around it
1: the kids <laughs> <were> like, oh. <laughs> with we some got, velvet ropes around it. It's an art installation. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And I, did you, did you expect to have these kind of problems when you when you opened up, or were um, you like, no, it's this is going to be easy?
3: I think when you're planning it, it always sounds easier than in reality. Like, Because conceptually, it sounds like, yeah, every Friday, we'll just clear up the space, clean it up, and it'll be perfect. But then you
1: forget that it's like hours of work yeah. just to do that. Every Friday. <laughs> oh, my God. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That is it, isn't it? And I mean, it's not only these sort of, not standard, uh, but usual problems you have when you run a brew pub, um, but it's also... Running a brew pub in the middle of COVID. Um, So, obviously, that's been a huge issue this year for lots of businesses. How have slowly dealt with COVID have you been massively impacted or was like we did an article a few months ago didn't we talking about how you basically never know not what normal looks yeah. like so you don't have any you don't have any sort of gauge of what it could be like uh, so have you just been having to deal with it what of what restrictions have you had to do has COVID really impacted the business and and what do you think uh in store in terms of COVID um obviously we'll have restrictions and stuff going forward so but you guys know the know the jam now don't you
2: yeah I mean we're lucky that you know we always intended with the brewery to like package our beer. Um, that was always always wanted to like can or bottle our beer, like not just be like a brew pub. But you know wanted to do like you know small batches of specialty beer and you know get it out there you know, and wholesale on our website. So like we're already doing that from day one. So that definitely helped a lot with um COVID because we could just very easily just shift all of our beer into cans and just not do any cakes. Mm -hmm. Um, So that got us through um, most of the periods. Um, And then I guess during the more recent lockdown, like we are able to like kind of, we had it, we still have very small staff. We had an extremely small um, number of staff to start with, um, but we were able to to redeploy our bar staff to help out in the brewery and, um, you know, just, did more brewing, more canning. Yep. Um, we had, more sales, um, sort of, yeah, we did more online sales. Delivery, yeah, delivery, yeah, delivery. So, fantastic. I think we we just because of we have our own canning machine, like um, we're set up to we can you know package all our beer. We don't, we're not reliant, like you know, it's very nice having the bar back open and um, you know, the money that brings in and sort of the connection you get with the customers. But um, we are able to cope, I guess, better than probably some other breweries without that.
1: Absolutely, because I think a lot of people, when they start out in a smaller brew pub, they don't necessarily have uh, that wholesale arm they were going to sort of do the tap room stuff first and then start looking into that later on once they've got a name for themselves and everything like that so how did you find that because obviously you didn't have an existing brand but you were selling wholesale so how did you get your name out there like what was it really difficult or were bottle shops and things really open to having a new brand in?
2: I mean definitely it was a slow start like and we were lucky that we like even from the start like we got some interest and like we got some some sales like right out, mm-hmm. right at the start. But I guess we weren't all, also at the start. We weren't making that much beer as well. Um, and I guess we we're able to, you know, thankfully, I kind of as we've may started making more beer, um, our names got out there more and got some more interest. So it's yeah. kind Pulled of some more
1: awards. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> um, <laughs>
3: It definitely, like, um there were a couple of large wholesale customers who, like, kind of were interested from the beginning and stuck with us this whole time. So it, we're pretty lucky. Like, it kind of,
1: it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Oh, crazy. And I I think it's so important now for, for people to have those um, multiple revenue streams, especially because we don't know what's going on with COVID and, and in the future. And, you know, having been able to rely on a few different revenue streams, a few different mechanisms to get your beer out there, like just, just it feels a bit more protected if you see what, if, I don't know if that's that's what you guys feel. That's how I see it.
2: Yeah, definitely. Like it's, yeah, it's nice to have those different options and I guess, we don't necessarily, we don't mind, which, you know, how, how we get the money in, like, you know, we we'll just make <laughs> yeah. this beer yeah. and have it available through lots of different channels and, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, Awesome. Now, just from like a wider business perspective then, you, as we mentioned, you were from corporate backgrounds. Um, Have you found it as hard as you thought it would be or harder or easier to run a brewing business?
2: I definitely just running a small business is much harder than I thought it would be. Like, um, you know, like guess neither of us had run a small business, like both from like had corporate jobs before. And, you know, I I worked for in the brewing industry for a bit, but I was, you know, I was working employee. as an employee. So you didn't see, really see yeah. that side of like running a small business. So I think just, yeah, running any small business is definitely hard and takes a lot of time. And yeah, definitely stresses associated with that and then I like guess a brewery, not the easiest small business either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, because you're a manufacturer and a hospitality business, and this and that, I guess yeah, yeah. that adds little, like an extra layers of complexity <laughs> onto what you've got to do. You didn't start out easy, is all I'm saying to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and same on the brewing front. Like, um, I remember when we spoke last, and Yvonne was just like, "Oh yeah, I bought him. I bought Alex a homebrew kit from Brooklyn Brewery," and I Im- immediately regretted it because uh, <laughs> you <laughs> did something to the kitchen. Um, but how did did you find that transition from homebrewing in your kitchen uh and was it was that in your do you said I think I vaguely remember you Yvonne did you say it was in like a really small New York apartment or something like that
3: yeah yeah no um so I mean we had a tiny apartment in um Williamsburg you um, know in New York and it it was definitely not made for um, homebrewing um but we eventually moved to San Francisco and And I would just say, like, over time, the homebrewing kit just became bigger and bigger. Um, And, yeah, it did create some issues with um, one of our landlords um, at one point. Um, But, I mean, Alex always tells me, like, sometimes it feels like the brewery is like a giant homebrew kit, just the way you're set up and the way you do things and the types of brews you make. But um, how different, like, I mean, in terms of, like, the processes and trying yeah. to ensure that the quality is consistent is a lot more harder in that scale. Yeah,
2: but... yeah, they definitely like t- some of the things we do as a brewery like are closer in some ways to home brewing, and that like we still like can condition all that beer, which is like how most home brewers start out, like bottle conditioning the beer and naturally carbonating it um, in a bottle. Um, but I guess we choose to do that because we think it makes a unique product and a better product, not because, you know, we don't have the equipment or whatever. That's like a choice okay. we make, um, but you're yeah, definitely like, there's a lot of things that have changed like from when it's doing it on a home brew scale to a professional scale. Like we have a lot better, like kind of testing, QA equipment, you know, uh-huh. you know record keeping is a lot better, you know, it's definitely much more, much more organized and you know, more focused on the finer details.
1: And have you got any other brewing staff with you as well? Did you are you employing any other brewers or, at the minute, or is it just hospitality staff?
2: Ah, uh, so no, we have um, we have one kind of one and a half, I guess, mm-hmm. brewing staff, like one full time, one part time brewing staff member, um, plus mm-hmm. myself, and then I guess looking to expand that. I'm um, trying, you know, brew a few yeah. few times a week, and um, you yeah, know.
1: Awesome. Brewing cans and more beer. Yeah, that's it. Um, And how did you find finding any brewing staff? Because I know we've got big shortages and stuff in the industry at the minute. Was it easy enough or were you looking for, like, another home brewer like yourself that wanted to mo- make the move to commercial or did you want someone that had, like, training and skills?
2: Uh, so I, I think it, there is definitely a, a shortage, um, especially of, like, you know, trained brewers with, like, many years' experience. Mm-hmm. um. But so I guess who we've hired is definitely, like um, you know, home brewers that are um, pursuing like formal brewing education Mm -hmm. so that, you know, they're doing brewing courses, but they don't have industry experience, which is, you know, it means I have to be more involved. Um, I can't just, you know, I'm not stepping away from the brewing side, Um, but that's a, you know way that I can get some help and I probably don't want that being the perfectionist I probably don't necessarily want to just bring in another head brewer and you know give them the keys and let them do everything I you know at at this stage I still want to be involved.
1: Absolutely yeah you're only a year in now you can't just kick back and head to Barbados all right Um, but would you and would you recommend your route the way you got into brewing Alex because you worked in the US didn't you what brewery did you work out there? So we at the website.
2: two breweries, um, in San one in San Francisco called Speakeasy, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and then one in Silicon Valley called Devil's Canyon. Um, because yeah, essentially we we moved to San Francisco from New York, um, Avon i um, going a transfer of her work, and then I was meant to be getting another corporate job, but I don't know I managed to convince I didn't fancy that. We- that. Oh yeah. (laughs) Most expensive one would be a good idea for me to work in a brewery at minimum wage. (laughs)
1: That makes me think sabotage interviews for the corporate jobs. (laughs) And I mean that must have been a really hard thing for you both to decide as a couple. I mean obviously Yvonne was working so it wasn't like you were homeless or anything like that but to have two people going from corporate jobs to then having one person going from starting from scratch in the brewing industry did that was that stressful did that cause some strife or were you very much like totally on the same page and and thought that this was always going to be an outcome to have your own brewery
2: I was definitely doing it with the intention of hopefully being able to open up own brewery back in Australia like it's not I wouldn't have pursued it, um, you know, if it was going to mean, like, uh-huh. many years working at minimum wage, um, you know. And we're a,
1: talking about U.S. minimum yeah. wage not oh, yeah, government. not Aussie or U.K. minimum wage, which is an entirely different thing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and I guess oh. it wasn't, um, especially in the U.S., there wasn't that many options for, like, brewing education. Um, a lot of people, they're, like, our courses, but they, you know, you got to kind of get in some... Like they're um, – got to enrol that way in advance and they're quite pricey. Um, so like a way to get experience, certainly like practical experience, is, you know, just to work in breweries and do that, you know, manual labour, but you're learning a lot about how things work on a commercial scale at the same time. Yeah, interesting.
1: And would you have done it any other way? Were you glad you did it the way you did? Alex, going sort of trying out, doing a bit of homebrewing, so you knew the basics and then – having some experience and then sort of jumping out on your own or would you wish you'd come back here and done some skills training or if if there was an ideal route to getting slow lane started how would you go?
3: I feel like it depends on how you best learn and how you kind of take it in I feel like this Alex was so obsessive like as in he's constantly on like brewing forums and reading textbooks like he does not read fiction he only reads like
1: <laughs> just a big pile of brewing manuals next to the bed <laughs> and recipes and stuff yeah
3: so I felt like I'm sorry I'm like I shouldn't be speaking for you but I felt like this <laughs> method worked really well for you but then others may find that doing you know a TAFE course or doing a university course would give them more confidence. Like, what do you reckon? Like I feel like maybe I would feel more confident if I just did a course.
1: Yeah, see I'm the same, Yvonne. I'd be like, no, I could never just just go for it. I'd have to I'd have to have like years of <laughs> of training behind me and then finally do my first brew like ten years later or something like
2: that. Yeah. I think ideally if there was a course available at the right uh-huh. time, um yeah. when I when I needed it, then like I would have done that. Um just uh-huh. there wasn't necessarily um Mm -hmm. where I was at that point in time Mm -hmm. um and I think a lot of the theory stuff you 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 know you you can learn that yourself without a without a course like there are you know brewing textbooks there's a lot of information out there Mm -hmm. oh I guess what you can't learn you know without actually working in a brewery is like that practical side of how things work on a commercial scale so I think it's I think it'd be very hard just to go as a home brewer just to start a brewery. We have never stepped foot like worked in a commercial brewery because there's just some little things that you wouldn't know that would um, definitely make things very difficult.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it is a hands-on job; it's not a theoretical job. So, as much as you can learn the basics and the theory behind it, I think getting stuck in seems to be the way. Very- forward in the way a lot of brewers do learn best um so it, it is an interesting one and it's why it's really good that we've got more TAFE courses popping up in Australia but also you know that's why it's engagement with the industry is so important to make sure that they get proper hands-on practical experience as well one thing I noticed that you guys um you're obviously doing this together um as a team have you guys worked together before this like this closely or were you completely in separate companies and stuff
2: we did work for the same company but we didn't ever work together as such. Like
1: different departments or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And how have you found it now then? I
0: I don't know whether that was a good silence or a good silence there.
3: No, I think we're on the same page. I I feel like we haven't had any like disagreements or anything in terms of whether it be the big thing about strategy or whether it be small things like what are we doing tomorrow like we haven't had any strong clashes
2: And you know I think other people people say this as well if you're like a married couple you know working a small business you kind of just have to end up agreeing or make it work like <laughs> I guess if, if you had a business plan where you know you could disagree on something all day and then just like leave and go home but yeah and then but you know I don't really have a solution option. has to be yeah
1: <laughs> 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 and I think that's really interesting as one as well because um Matt uh, my editor, Matt, uh, he might have come across him. Uh, he did a really good beer as a conversation with Peter Fielding Brennan from Burley Brewing.
0: Yep. And
1: th- obviously, married couple running their, their business. And it was really interesting that what they said was, you know, we sort of agreed at the beginning that, you know, relationship comes first. Um, If there's anything that's going wrong in the business or that it's threatening our relationship in any way, like, we would go for the relationship first before the business. Um, Obviously, that's sort of an extreme end and, and all that kind of stuff. And it probably would not never come to that. But do, did you ever talk about that? Did you ever make that, like, have that discussion?
3: No, I'm I'm actually starting to think maybe we're a bit disorganized in that way. <laughs> like, it's like I gave you the homebrew kit and it kind of like, <laughs> um, like snowboard into something huge. And I guess we never <laughs> officially sat down. Like, even like, you know, when we've got our ABN or, you know, when the business is starting up, like we never really sat down and had like a conversation like that and it and now i'm like oh that's very smart and organized
1: (laughs) to be fair though those guys have been doing it for like 15 years now so you've got some time you've got a lot of time (laughs) but i mean it was started out
3: alex was like oh i'm gonna draft up a business plan but i don't think that's ever
1: happened (laughs) (laughs) you just gotta roll with the punches sometimes don't you that's the thing Oh, brilliant! And in terms of like division of labor, Yvonne, do you do certain things, and then Alex looks at the brewing, or do you just mess in and just help each other out with whatever's going on? Like, how do you work that?
3: I mean, definitely, uh, like Alex is the head brewer, and he's like, um, you know, doing all the brewing side of things. Um, I help out with most of the other things, but I actually work um a different job as well, so like it's funny because like I have input on like the smallest things like you know what's the name of the next beer or what color is Very the label <laughs> <What> is <it? laughs> like a true brewer
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> or like even like you know what beer should we go next and when when's the release schedule um and I help out with like social media and events and stuff but at the same time I don't help out with a lot of things like the day-to-day um you know just like brewing packaging um
2: manual labor
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'd I'd make myself scarce for that as well I'm not gonna lie
3: (laughs) well I mean like I was actually helping out but what happened was um after um like giving birth I had like um issues with my hands so that's my excuse I I have trigger finger and I cannot milk that forever (laughs)
1: absolutely yeah that's a great one and yeah like obviously um Listeners may have heard um some small people in the background, um so you've got two really young kids um How the hell do you manage it? I can barely live my life as it is with no kids, let alone having two kids and running a startup business, being a head brewer, having another job on the side. How do you do it? What's the secret
3: <laughs> That's why like I, we were thinking like, oh, I wonder um you know if one of the questions will be what have we?" done in the past year and um, I just don't remember any of it because there's just so much going on all the time um yeah and it's just like your life is just a to-do list like it's like you know you just keep going um yeah yeah so I, I like honestly like I, I don't know, like so much has happened in the last year and at the same time I feel like I don't remember much
1: of it. <laughs> Maybe because you've been severely sleep-deprived as well. I imagine <laughs> that's got something to do with it. <laughs> and what about like night stuff, like when you have to get up with the kids at night? Do you like take turns or is Alex like, oh, I'm brewing tomorrow, you've got to do it, Yvonne?
3: <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, that that would actually that make – <laughs> that would break
1: oh. us. <laughs> <laughs>
3: No, God, Alex I hope is I'm pretty started. good about, like, changing the nappies. Um, yeah. It's funny because he used to, um like, he used to work really early, like, so start really early in the morning so he could do all the morning stuff. Like, so the baby would wake up that, you know, this is, like, our first child, like, 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. And that's when okay. Alex would wake up anyway.
2: Good. That, that, that was when I was working at another brewery and I could just uh, go in there and do my work and then get out and not worry about it. But now that it's our brewery kind of, yeah. you can't,
1: you know,
2: there's still work there for me to do all the time. So yeah, I guess just like trying to manage it, like, you know, obviously doing a lot of work at night, once the kids are gone to bed, trying to do, you know, all the books and records and boring business stuff and
1: yeah. <laughs> oh yeah maybe maybe read them your uh, business report your financial annuals and and then they'll get bored and go to sleep <laughs> that'd be a good one um fantastic oh well and I mean that because I know so many brewers that have got either have just had kids um or their partners just had kids or um they've got two really young or a couple of really young kids and I just it sounds crazy because obviously a brewing schedule is madness Brewing schedule when it's your own brewery, even worse. Um, so, how do you do that, Alex? Do you have certain times when you brew and then you go home and do the kid bit, or like how does that work? Uh,
2: so, I mean, I try and get out of the brewery at a reasonable time and you know, pick kid up from childcare and be home for dinner. Um, but yeah, it happens most of the time but yeah occasionally something will go wrong in a brewery and things (laughs) will take longer and yeah yeah, I'll be a bad dad and be home later. Oh
1: I don't feel like that (laughs) and I bet there's a little twang of guilt sometimes when you can't be there and you're like oh I really need to stay and make this work um but I want to go home and see my kids. (laughs) Yeah
2: it would be very different if I did this like without kids um without a family like sure I'd be there like crazy hours all the time um but yeah you know got to you
1: know. That's probably good. Then it balances you out a little bit. Otherwise, you'd be a complete workaholic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, Obviously, you guys. Um. We've discussed about how you were in the US and you did a bit of um work there in breweries. Uh, why did you decide to come back to Australia to open a brewery? I think
2: it was more that we we always wanted to come back to Australia just for like mm-hmm. family, so like be with family and friends. So there was, there was never an option to stay in the u.s
3: yeah like then you wouldn't have because if you started something in the u.s you knew that that was you know
2: you have to stay there a 10 year commitment Mm -hmm.
3: kind of thing and that wasn't like like we always knew we wanted to come home for family um yeah so it made sense like um basically um, we had our first child Mm -hmm. in the u.s and then sort of moved back when he was three
1: months Mm -hmm.
2: and yeah we definitely couldn't have a brewery in the u.s Two kids and no grandparents.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. Is that really helpful? Do they live near you?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: fantastic <laughs> oh God yeah that imagine you'd have you'd be there pouring hops in with a baby strapped to you or something I don't <laughs> yeah. think workplace health and safety would be uh, <laughs> so good in that respect um brilliant yeah and I mean and, and is that why you chose botany then your near family as well or did you was that a um a business decision at the same time
2: uh no we looked at like various places around Sydney like it was mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to find somewhere. only like, that's why one of the biggest challenges is finding the right location that you know somewhere that's semi-affordable and you know semi-convenient to get to and um you know the right kind of look and feel and space so i looked at it quite different areas like not botany in particular but uh you know this space we found in botany um just you know had a nice feel to it like for an industrial area it had a bit more character um and it the owner was very um supportive he he was like a um retired lawyer that like started a winery so he okay. kind of understood where we were coming from with you know starting the brewery where a, a lot of like owners landlords um weren't so supportive of the idea oh. and I yeah like, <laughs> they was, just thought it was gonna be like bunch of drunk idiots there every weekend
1: yeah
2: yeah he thought of it more as like a winery cellar door which it is in a lot of ways yeah. um so you know had that good relationship there and um you know at the time there was another brewery like one drop just starting around the corner so mm-hmm. they already went through a lot of the hard work with council and um, so <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> and then you know, able, you know, leverage of what they'd already done with counselors, the first brewery in the
1: area that's brilliant. And I mean, you and OneDrop do very different things as well because it, it seems like a nice little, um, nice little relationship, I guess. You guys do such different things. Have you found that? Do you guys get along well, or do you just do your own thing? No,
2: like, we definitely get along well, like you know, we're super close, so um, mm-hmm. you know, definitely. They're always sending customers our way, and we'll return the favor. And you know, definitely like you know, I mean, making me think you're the...
1: sending them back and forth there. <laughs> 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 send them <laughs> that <laughs> way. Send them back.
2: Most people that come, like a lot of people that come to the area, will come to both breweries because we are so close. Yeah. And um, I guess I just happened by chance. I guess that we and of you know, our focus is kind of on different types of beers. Um, but yeah. you know, it's kind of nice having different focuses, more variety. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and like you say, unlike other areas of Sydney, not necessarily saturated in terms of breweries, um, but still within reach of quite a few, um, which is pretty cool actually. Um, I, I, have you toured much of Sydney breweries? Have you been round and done? And I know, I mean, I say that, but there's been lockdowns since God knows when, so I don't know how I managed managed to get out. But
2: yeah, I mean, definitely before the brewery started, I went to a lot of. Breweries, you know, research. Um, oh, but yeah, awesome. <laughs> since the breweries started, like, even you know, haven't managed to get out to many, and that's probably not even yeah. because of lockdown, more just it's been too busy at our yeah, own absolutely. brewery to really get out to other breweries.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. We'll we'll give you a couple years to. I'll call you and say, have you been round to the mall yet? And there'll probably be a few thousand by that point. Um, But, I mean, mean, that's what what I I remember asking um, when we were talking about it uh, back in January. Obviously, you've been in the U.S. The U.S. has got thousands of breweries. We've got 500-ish, 600. Do we have a ceiling? Is there a point of saturation? Or are we just going to end up like the U.S. just having one round every corner effectively?
2: I think there's always room for, like, small breweries, um, especially that, you know, those are like either like you know have like a like a brew pub um, with like a, I mean, a local kind of um, customer base, or you know smaller breweries that are more specialized. Just I guess what I consider us to be. Um, but definitely saw that you know at that time in the US, like new breweries that opened up, they they were like becoming more specialized because you need to do something different to be able to stand out when there's like you know eight thousand breweries or whatever there is uh-huh. now.
1: Yeah, that's
2: it. But yeah, there's definitely um, like only so many like large, larger kind of craft breweries you can have that kind of want to send yeah. their beer around Australia.
1: And I mean, that's an interesting point. Then you, for Slow Lane, what do you envisage? What's next for you guys? If do you want to stay as you say, like a small, specialized local brew pub, or what? What's the plan?
2: Yeah, I mean, we don't want to change anything too dramatically. Like we, mm. we'd like to make a bit more beer. Um, you know, may have a bit more space to, to make that beer, but <laughs> like yeah, like no um no no crazy expansion plans, just kind of yeah. you
1: know doing kind
2: of doing one thing one step at a time, like you know, you know, we're always buying new equipment to make things more efficient or make you know high quality beer and just yeah, so lots of incremental upgrades, um, but nothing major planned.
1: All right, cool. Now, what would you do though? Because, I mean, I assume you're a little bit limited on space where you are. Would you get another building somewhere, and maybe around the corner if there's anywhere close, or would yeah. you want to try and fit some in, something in where you are?
2: Um, just going to see what's what comes that's up, what's available. available. Like, we've already, like, have some, like, um, kind of additional storage space um, that we're using and, like, okay. you know, certainly that's it. You know, lots of options to just to get you know smaller amounts of like temporary kind of space just to store you know excess um you know raw materials beer etc but um yeah I guess to do like a a larger expansion we have to just see what's available in the area what we can get our hands on
1: yeah that's it and what what do you think your focus is going to be in the next couple of years and are you going to go 50 50 wholesale in the tap room or do you want to do a little bit more on the wholesale front or do you want to Keep the focus on tap room, like what? What would you prefer?
2: Well, I mean, I think like the tap room, like there's a upper limit to like how many people we can fit in there, um, so that's always going to be capped. Like we can't, we can grow that, certainly grow that a decent amount, but you know, the current setup, like it's only open on weekends and we can only have like 50 people in there. We might be able to expand that to 100, um, but that's you know, we're never going to be able to sell like crazy amounts of beer through there. Um, so definitely like wholesale and like so sort of packaged beer is where there's more potential growth. So that would be our our focus in terms of trying to get that, you know, additional growth in the medium term.
1: Amazing. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, I hope to see some more Slurlin beers um, up in sunny Queensland. Um, that'd be amazing, and um, because you know what we're like at Brews News, we do love the uh, the old world styles. Uh, <laughs> Matt and are very much uh, fans uh, of the uh, <laughs> the old European styles. So, any any that we can get from you they'll love it Uh, uh, fantastic right well I better let you go there's small people to look after and and beer to make Um, so thank you so much both of you for for coming on and and having a chat and bloody congratulations again on your um, Sydney Royal Beer and Cider Show win
2: thank you Claire
1: nice one see you later guys see ya bye
0: don't forget if you like what we do at Radio Brews News you can help us out in a number of ways You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at BruiseNews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover, because beer is a conversation. Cry Malt has been supplying the best ingredients to Australian and New Zealand brewers for 30 years. Their range of malt, hops and yeast is sure to take your beer to the next level. Proud sponsors of Brews News and Beer as a Conversation since the very beginning. Learn more about Cry Malt at www.crymalt.com.